Welcome to another edition of the Bluminati Podcast, proudly, proudly presented by Irish 31. Uh, we'll get into the watch party here in a, in a second, but man, it's going to be a fun week. It, w- it was a fun Saturday. We'll get into that. Um, as always, joined by Seth Farnador and Robert Stieg as we break down uh, the Bulls win over Temple and we'll preview ECU and everything like that, but Guys, we, we've got our, our Daily Stampede watch party on Thursday night. Thursday night. Let's go. At the Irish 31 uh, pub and eatery down in Hyde Park. Address 1611 West Swan Ave, Tampa, Florida, 33606. There are parking garages, free parking garages. There's going to be great drink specials. Maybe a special guest or two uh, that'll pop by. Um, ticket giveaways. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there'll be a raffle, uh, so you know, the proceeds will go to help uh, us send folks on the road to cover games and and other expenses that uh, you know this what we do costs. Um, so it's an always a fun time. Uh, always enjoy hanging out with the fans uh, and, and just interacting with uh, fellow USF fans and, and really commiserating our experience as a, as a bull. So I'm excited guys. What thoughts? Excited for Thursday, Seth, you're not really from Tampa. So uh, no, I'm not. Yeah. If this was at a Sarasota uh, location, because there is an Irish 31 Sarasota, it would be much easier for me to get to. But uh, yes, I'll be making the long trek. I saw there's a Cine Bistro. Maybe go catch a matinee of Dune beforehand. Um, uh, So, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll play it by ear. But uh, I've got the location and the GPS. I'm already ready to go. It's uh, it's it's going to be fun. These are always fun. I, I I I think everyone loves to uh, you know, interact with each other outside of uh, the social media, outside of the uh, good old Twitter sphere. Uh, and that Irish Thirty One location is pretty fun. It's uh, got a lot uh, going on in Hyde Park Village. It's you know, an up and coming. No one really knows about it or anything. So it's it's a hidden gem amongst Quaint. you Tampa folks. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to see everyone. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, the whole crew back together in the uh, USF Twitter herd, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think most of the uh, Daily Stampede crew has been in the same room together in a in a good little bit. Um, you know, bits and pieces of us have been uh, together, but uh, you know, nothing quite like this. And I think it'll be uh, even better uh, in in New Orleans um, in November. So uh, excited for this! Excited to hang out with uh, the fans, and and you know, weird things happen at watch parties that that we throw. Uh, Twenty eighteen was. Um, was something to behold as uh, Diet Lemon Booty Philip Montgomery literally gave the game away for the Bulls uh, as uh, what, Kobe Weiss kicks the, the game-winning field goal to beat Tulsa 25-24 on the road. And then uh, the following year uh, at ECU, I mean, here we go. I mean, at ECU two years ago today, folks, two years ago today, uh, USF runs through ECU, and we'll get to uh, USF running through another team here in a second as they, as after what they did to Temple. But weird things happen. It was, uh, you know, Charlie Strong's last win as USF head coach. Uh, it was USF's last uh, FBS win. Um, 
So, you know, take that for good luck or bad luck, but it, those things definitely happened, but I'm excited to, to see everyone and, uh, just interact. It's always a, a fun time to, to see you guys. And, you know, I went down, went down to the, you know, the stands, uh, at halftime, uh, last week and, uh, just, just bunch of people just coming up and, and saying hello and interacting and having a lot of fun. So, uh, it's going to be another great time. Drink, be merry. There's going to be some great, uh, USF drink specials there and, uh, some good food. I'm excited, but let's, let's get into last week's win over temple. Uh, guys, I was pretty bold. I was pretty bullish. Uh, so to speak, on, on USF uh, decimating Temple. And, uh, you know, I said they would win by 20-plus points. And they won by 20. And they, cont- I mean, they controlled this game from basically start to finish. Uh, there was that one minor blip on the, the field, field goal. But other than that, uh, pretty thoroughly dominating performance as they beat Temple 34-14 to for USF's first FBS win in nearly two years. Uh this was such a must win game just for the culture, for the fans, for the, just the entirety of the program. Uh, Steve, you were moving in with your, your girlfriend on Saturday. Uh, how was it kind of just lame, (laughs) just, you know, as an outside observer, as everybody's kind of, you know, in the stadium, just kind of freaking out as, as the game's going on. Um, yeah. So I, we, we finished, we wrapped up moving in around like three then I, uh, we headed to a, a friend's Halloween party. So I got to, uh, debut my third straight year as a mustachioed individual as, uh, the one Ted Lasso and, uh, boy, uh, boy, did that costume kind of give its own permission on what was going to occur that night. Um, I think the key thing about that game was the fact that we won. It's, it's the fact that we're able to kind of keep the faith on Jeff Scott and, kind of say, okay, like he's not cursed. We can win FBS games under his, under his guidance, under his helm. Um, but, but ultimately, you know, more than what Jeff Scott's supposed hot seat is the fans really needed this and the fans absolutely needed a win where it's at convincing. I, I think, you know, a, a 10 point win wasn't going to do it for most fans. Uh, if it was within one score towards the end, maybe Temple was, was taking a drive to potentially tie or take the lead or whatnot. I don't think you would be able to, you know, keep the faith within the fan base, but to go out there and dominate a team like that from the wire and just, you know, control the line of scrimmage, produce turnovers and and make consecutive stops. I think that's what you kind of needed as, as a head coach for Jeff Scott and fans to kind of say, Hey, we're not as bad as, as the record might say at times, you know, that I think they're that, that North Carolina state game kind of, put everyone down in the dumps, you know, now I think we're, uh, we're being uplifted, but the key thing to remember here is, is we're still making progress. Um, you know, I, I not to, you know, put too much out there before you Nate or anything, but I don't think we should get our hopes up that this team has completely turned the corner. Now they're going to go on an undefeated streak of 17 straight FBS wins or anything. Um, but man, does it feel good to, to win and to talk shit on Twitter and to, you know, kind of feel like the old times kind of feel like what it was in 2017 a little bit. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. And we'll, we'll get to uh, my, my hashtag thoughts on, on ECU uh, because there, there are, there are plenty and they're a, a bit spicy here. Uh, Seth, you were in the stadium sitting next to me the entire time. Uh, 
could you kind of believe that this is the the performance you were going to be getting from this USF team? Um, you know, it, it was really a toss up of if they were even going to show up, like get, after getting kicked in the nuts, like they like they did. Yeah, I was most surprised, I think, by the defense because you'd seen the offense have some flashes of uh, really good play. The defense played really well all night, and that was kind of the biggest. Um, as the biggest surprise, I guess, or really, I just wasn't expecting it. You always thought that they had they had some talent, so they're capable of playing better. It seemed to be a lot of a function of health and lack of health. So I, I wasn't shocked because this Temple team was bad, and and we thought they would be pretty bad before the season, and then they won a few games, and so you kind of started to think, well, maybe they're not. You know, maybe they're a little bit better on offense than I thought, or a little bit better on defense than I thought. They were not. They were pretty. Bad. They they were very bad. And and then USF did what you do to good teams. You bury them. And they 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 could have scored. You know, probably a couple more touchdowns if they wanted to. They basically shut it down with ten minutes left in the fourth quarter and good field position. So if if USF wanted to tack on some more points, they could have left the starters in and probably done it. But I think the point was made. They physically dominated the game from the get go. Even after the field goal mishap and the unbelievable awesome play by by Chris Carter, we kind of turned to each other in the box and we're in and we're like that was an unbelievable play by him just to get that tackle. It was he kind of came out of nowhere like a flash. Um, yeah, great play by him. Awesome. Like you, you want to talk about culture and people and people. You know, you know, is this team still playing hard for Jeff Scott? Is it, what's how's the culture? Bang! Right there, there it is. Like that's like the perfect encapsulation of culture, the team's culture, and how much they play for each other and try to play hard for each other. So, but even after that, where the drive ended poorly, it also ended where you like we run the ball down your throat, and then you kind of try to throw a couple passes, and the drive stalls out. And we kind of were looking at each other like, "Hey, man, they can run the ball at will." It seems like, and. They pretty much did. Broke the school record for rushing yards. Um, could have broke it by a lot more, but the uh, the snap, the bad snap gets counted against the rushing total for some reason. Uh, but they played a really complete game on both sides of the ball. And it, it was finally – it was great to see those guys put it together after you know how hard they worked uh, all season, all off season to kind of get to see them put it all together for once was, was really fun. Yes. <sighs> That I don't I don't want I, I hesitate to even say this right now. Uh, and maybe I should it. Maybe I should wait until this week after this week. <sighs> no, just go ahead and say it. What's the worst thing that happens? <sighs> that it comes by comes back to bite me in the butt and it's not even close to what I think it could be. Nate, I've said stupider shit on the internet before. You know I know, but like I have a re- reputation to uphold. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Message it to Steve, he'll say it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll I'll message it and then we'll keep talking. But I want to. I can give you my hot take if you want. Oh, absolutely. You want my hot take while you message the Steve to, to yes. say your hot take. My hot take uh, was that, and I, I think I said it to you in the box at the time that that tackle by Chris Carter could be looked back as like not necessarily saving Jeff Scott's job, but he might look back on it and be like, you know what, that right there is when everything turned. Every like that was kind of the proof of concept of kind of what we're doing culturally. And, you know, after the way that tackle and then the response by the defense really kind of is that's what we're trying to do here. That's the proof of concept. There it is. 
Um, and, and I think they'll look back on that play very fondly for years to come if the team kind of turns this around and starts moving, keeps moving forward as, you know, as it looks like they're going to do. Steve, do you have something? Do you have something? Um, I, I have two things more specifically. Um, I, I firmly believe that that Chris Carter play, or if that, if that situation were to happen for all 129 other FBS teams, they let them score. There's, there's no way. Like I would maybe think like Alabama, maybe may, you know, with the amount of care that they have on special teams. I think most times you're going to, I think most in most schools, in most situations, they're going to let them score. Like there's no way that a, a, t- a blocking tight end is, is running 21 miles per hour down the field to chase down a starting cornerback to make the tackle like that. That's the um, natural, the natural inclination is to, to quit. Like you're going to, you're probably going to jog for maybe like 30 or 40 yards. Like Chris, like Chris was very far away from that defense yeah. back before he made it. Great angle. Um, he took too. But the, the, the important thing is that, you know, I, I think for USF faithful, um, that Chris Carter tackle is the 2015 double pass against Syracuse the the flea flicker there. I, I think most USF fans can, uh, remember that day fondly and look back at it and say that that was the turning point for Quentin flowers and Willie Taggart, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, I think that's, <laughs> that's the hidden messaging here, uh, from, from someone that says, you know, this is, this is the next chapter. Is that off your teleprompter? Uh, yeah. I, I, I think if they, if, if this program takes the steps forward that we, that we think they can to Jeff Scott, this will definitely be a kind of watershed moment that you'll look back on and kind of be like, this was kind of the first real, you know, you know, flag in the ground. This is what this team is. This is that personified. And then the defense turning it right around and getting the ball right back. I want, I want to be able to do that domino meme that I posted today about uh, Florida state Miami. I want to use that for Chris Carter makes a tackle on special teams. And then in like, have like a USF wins the ACC in 2027. Like I, I want that domino effect to start today. <laughs> Why wait to 2027? Oh, yeah. That's the first year we're in the ACC, of course. Oh, ACC. Okay. I'll yeah. AAC. No. Oh, no. There, there you go. We're going much higher aspirations for <laughs> Mr. Robert Stieg there, Seth. Um, see, you, you touched on it. Chris Carter, he peaked uh, running on that play at 21.12 miles per hour at 6'4", 238 pounds. Uh, it was the second fastest uh, speed clocked by a USF player on Saturday night. Uh, the, the top one uh, going to TJ Robinson, who is a defensive back who probably uh, weighs mm, roughly 40 pounds less than Christopher Carter. Uh, I, I can't explain just how incredible we're, we're going to, I promise you guys uh, on the film room tomorrow, we are going to break that play down frame by frame. So Seth, if you want to write that down, that's, de- <laughs> that's definitely going to be one of the plays we're going to be talking about. Yes. Uh, the The key thing for him is so Spencer Schrader's back there trying to like slow the guy down a little bit. And then Schrader like gets, 
kind of pancaked and he's down on the ground. The way Chris Carter avoids him and doesn't lose speed and still is able to hawk him down is just uh, it's a thing of beauty. It's one of the underrated parts about that play. And he's running from the opposite end of the field. Uh, you know, it was 85 yards. But it was probably the way he the, the angle he took, it was probably what, like 120. I don't I don't know how the math works in angles. I it was terrible at geometry. Uh, I think I had to take it twice in high school, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I am a writer. I am not a mathematician. Um, but he ran a really, really long way. And then the the next offensive possession for him, he grabs a one yard, he, you know, a little one yard dump off from Timmy McLean and gets eight yards. Uh, he, you know, breaks the tackle. And then as he's falling forward, he falls forward for like five more yards. And it's just those small little things, right? That just kind of, kind of add up. Um, and I can guarantee you that play doesn't happen under Charlie strong. And I, like, like, or last year, like that is just something that does not happen. And, and frankly, I'd be hard pressed to say it would have happened under Willie Taggart as well. Just that's just something you you can't take for granted. And uh, man, it was just such a refreshing sequence. And then Christian Williams comes back, gets the tip, and it falls into Mikayla Point's hands. And then the the ultimate complimentary football special teams makes a play after a bad special teams play, but they make the play. The defense stands up, gets the turnover. And then the offense uh, once again, just drives down temples throat and scores a touchdown. And I mean, after those first two drives, the, the quarter was over and he uh, kind of figured, man, this is going to, this is going to be a different kind of game. And it, it ended up being a different kind of game. And uh, man, fun times. Fun times had by all on Saturday night. As an old coach, that Chris Carter play warmed the cockles of my heart. It was beautiful. Uh, it was uh, it was everything you kind of are hoping your guys will play like. It's just he's a winning player, and if everybody played like him, you'd win a lot of games. So that's always great. Um, another interesting thing, and we're having a couple people talk about it um, in the chat. So. Tom says, uh, was it him or were they running a lot less halfback dives or off tackles or using more pitches, sweeps, and rounds? Yeah, they're definitely, they definitely had a game plan in the first half. And we'll, we'll go more in depth tomorrow with video of making Temple run sideline to sideline, using their speed um, to make them run, kind of wear them down a little bit. And then the second half, they started running the same looks where it looked like they were going to run sideline to sideline, get Temple running horizontal and then start running counters back the other way and getting vertical with it. And there were huge seams being opened. Um, so really good job by the staff of kind of understanding. I think we have an advantage with the speed sweep and in, in outside. And then in the second half, after they kind of get adjusted to that or, or kind of recognize we're going to go to that a lot, now we're going to come back with this counter off of it and really kind of break the game open. That's what they did. So really good scheme offensively to make Temple run and then the second half switch it up and kind of totally uh, mess with their reads and, and stuff like that on defense. So really, really, really good job, I thought, all around by USF on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, those plays really work when you utilize your speed. But the guys who you're giving the ball to have good feet, 
right? And it's putting your foot, being able to put your foot in the ground and get upfield uh, quickly and fluidly. And all, all of the backs were able to do that exceptionally well on Saturday. I mean, Seth, how many times did we say Jerry Mangum's feet were just flawless on Saturday? Yeah, he's I, great feet for how it, big he is. He, he shouldn't be able to move that nimbly in between exactly. the tackles, outside the tackles, and, and get upfield as well as he does. And then Brian Petit and, and Kelly Joyner just uh, – uh, just complimentary football, those two with, with Jeremy Mangum. And uh, they've, it's just the, the, that three headed monster is uh, it's going to be fun as they progress uh, through, through their time here at USF. I know they, each of them have a couple more years left, but man, that was, that was fun to see Jeremy Mangum's uh, added what two touchdowns. So he's got 12 on the year now. Um, He's just creeping up. He's six closer to Quentin Flowers. He's six away from Quentin Flowers' single season rushing record. Um, and he's, I think, four away from Marlon Mack's uh, single season rushing record from a running back. Um, so, which is incredible. And, you know, Seth, you mentioned it 421 yards, a single, single game program record uh, previously done in 2016 uh, versus Cincinnati. And uh, if you recall that, uh, 2016 team had Marlon Mack and Deionis Johnson, Darius Tyson, and, and uh, some guy named Quentin Flowers. So to be able to do it with with the backs you have now uh, is pretty pretty damn impressive. Um, just all around, just fun fun stuff. They finished with 526 total yards of offense. Uh, they had they held Temple to negative one yard rushing in the first half. And Temple ended up with 34, uh, but pretty meaningless. Temple ran – let me make sure I get this right. Where are they? Temple ran 34 plays. USF had 34 first downs. Like, you can't dominate a game more than that. 34 first downs. You hold the ball for over 44 minutes. Just absolutely ran them into the ground. Yeah, I think USF ended up with 60 more plays than Temple. Yep. That's like a full game's worth of plays in some spots. Like I think USF has been about and a few games have been close to 67, 69, 70. Um they've been in that range mostly. So 60 extra plays is almost like making a defense play another game compared to what uh USF's defense had to play. So uh, that was also a big factor in why USF's defense looked so good. They were fresh. They didn't have to be on the field for a ton. They got on the field. Uh, even when they gave up big plays, it happened very <laughs> typically happened quickly. They gave up scoring drives. It happened very fast, and they got back off the field, and the offense held the ball. So really good uh, complimentary football, as Coach Scott would say. I think uh, my favorite stat was uh, our, our Aussie punter from down under with uh spent zero minutes on the field didn't 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 even really get a whiff of grass at any point which you know i I think the usf twitter account which has been absolutely fantastic this year put it best we flew this man eleven thousand miles from his home in australia where he's drinking fosters amongst kangaroos for him to sit on the sideline for 60 minutes and do absolutely nothing which is I I don't remember the last time USF didn't punt the ball in a game. <laughs> September twenty sixth, two thousand nine, against yeah, Charleston Southern. Yet, 
Uh, it was, <laughs> excuse me, no, September 19th, 2009 against Charleston Southern. It was the game Matt Grothy tore his ACL. Uh, BJ Daniel comes in. I think he was, BJ goes like 11 of 13 for 100 and something yards, a score, and then rushes for 143 yards and two touchdowns. And then the very next week beats Florida State 17 to 7. Just casual weekend. So, it's been a like, long bit uh, since that had happened. Um, and it's really rare. I mean, it's really rare. And it, it, there's a confluence of uh, factors, right? Your, your offense is clicking on all cylinders and your head coach is going for it aggressively, like aggressively going for it. Uh, officially, they go four of six on fourth down, but it was really four or five. That last one is the, the field goal. Uh, they've got to put it down as something. Um, they can't be nothing. You've got to account for that, which is why Andrew Beardall, Andrew Beardall uh, will more than likely finish his collegiate career with negative 24 yards rushing. Um, so tough break for my guy. Uh, and also will probably go into the record books for most negative rushing yards in a season. We're going to have to check that out. We're going to have to get uh, definitely have the worst our, average yards per rush. For sure. Unless it happens again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who knows? But let's put Temple to bed, uh, and we'll we'll discuss more of uh, Temple tomorrow night. But let's let's head into ECU. This is uh, I wouldn't say it's as 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 much of a must win as last week was, but it's pretty important. If you can get two wins in five days, that's that's pretty that's a good jump start to the last month of the year. Uh, wouldn't you say so, boys? I would think so. You know, that's it's a pretty good thing to happen. You know, that, that would put them at three. How many more would they need to make a bowl game? Three. Well, I mean, now you start thinking, stinking big. Uh, really, if you get over four, if you hit four, that's the over on your season win total. So I'm sure there's some degenerate USF fans that are really excited about those that possibility. So. Exactly. A little primer on ECU here. Uh, they are three and four, one and two in the American. Uh, they've beaten the likes of Charleston Southern, Marshall, and oh, I'm blanking Tulane. on the third one. Tulane. So they've they've beaten some great teams this year, folks. They're definitely not a mirage. I definitely think they're good. They definitely should be a 10-point favorite. Nate, I'm, I'm sensing a little sarcasm. Uh, just a pinch. Just a pinch. <laughs> ECU is absolutely fucking terrible, and we'll get into it. They are, they are a fucking trash can, and USF is going to win by two touchdowns. There, I, I've, blown, I've blown my prediction already. I've blown my load. ECU is trash. USF is going to win by two scores. They are so bad. Steve, you know it. I know it. We've said it for years. Holt Naylor's sucks ass as a quarterback. He is terrible. Stats of war. His his uh, Parker's uh, you know expected uh, points per play average is like near dead last in the American. It's below Timmy McLean. I mean, it is atrocious. Shit. Even Desmond Ritter's expected points average is is worse than Timmy McLean's. But they're probably probably because they, they're leading and they're just kind of I don't know. Maybe Cincinnati smoke and mirrors. We'll get to that in in November. But <laughs> maybe 
for life. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of yourself. <laughs> Make it one win and only one fraud. Out. Only oh, one fraud at a time. <laughs> I, it's so bad how much of a homer I am. Uh, for for a hate blog, I'm such a homer. I'll be perfectly honest with you. But ECU's trash. I I think Mike Houston is an okay coach. I think putting his uh, coaching career in Holton Naylor's hands has been a choice that has been made. It's not been a great choice. I'll be perfectly frank on that. And, and Daniel, we'll, we will get to that uh, as we progress. Um, but ECU is just, they're so bad, like so bad. They're horrendous. Uh, let's let's have some fun with some stats because I like stats uh, here as as we get ready for uh, for this game. They're averaging twenty eight point seven points per game. Uh, their opponents are averaging twenty eight twenty eight um, averaging four point two yards a rush. Uh, they've thrown thirteen passing touchdowns. They've thrown six interceptions. Um, they've given up a kickoff return for a touchdown that was proved. Very, very costly last week uh, at Houston. Um, but the thing that I love and that we will talk about forever and ever and ever is ECU is absolutely awful on third down. Awful. Like USF's pretty bad. They're 34%. ECU is much much, much worse. They were, I believe, one of 12 at Houston last week. Uh, they are 26 of 103 for the season, which is 25%, which is, folks, not great. No. And well, then in the red say that's bad. In the red zone, you know, they've scored on 21 of 23 possessions, which is great, but they've only scored touchdowns on 52% of those possessions, which is less than ideal when you're playing red zone roulette with teams. And defensively, they've allowed uh, 17 of 27 uh, red zone uh, touchdowns. This team is smoke. Like, this is literally smoke and mirrors. I, I, Heath, you're probably right. They're probably just going to kick us right in the face because that's just how things go. But <laughs> but mm. ECU is terrible. USF is nine and two all time against ECU. Or USF is nine and two all time against ECU. USF is five and zero oh in Greenville. They are not going to lose. They're going to go to six and zero oh in Greenville because, quite frankly, USF owns ECU. Joe Janort's home run is still not landed. I swear to you, USF will win. I promise. We will have a fun watch party. Everyone's going to be drunk, happy, merry. The game's at seven thirty on ESPN. Uh, one of my favorites. Uh, Commentators of college football, Harry Lyles Jr. was well, the sideline reporter. He was he's been great. He was he was at SB Nation for a long time. He's fantastic. He's you know part of that part of that uh, you know shut down full cast crew. The the split don't split, split zone duo uh, out of that uh, school of of uh, journalism, so to speak. But he's a little bit more professional than uh, maybe Spencer and Holly. And I think they would. Uh, probably freely admit that he's great at what he does. All right. Now I've said my spiel. Talk me, talk me off the ledge here as to why uh, ECU should be a 10 point favorite. And I'll, I'll, I'll concede. Are they, 
are they a 10 point favorite because there's more than likely Timmy McClain doesn't play? Well, they open as a six point favorite. It's been bet up to 10. The money has gone. So right now, 50%. So in terms of tickets, I think this is starting to, this is starting to kind of move now because the line's gotten so high, but right now the tickets are 50, 50. So 50% of the bets are on East Carolina. 50% of the bets are on South Florida. Right now, 85% of the money is on East Carolina. So the people that are betting big money are betting on East Carolina. Now, that also was when it opened at six at some places, seven and a half others. It's been bet up to 10. So I'm sure you'll start to see that regulate as we get closer to kickoff. Um, and, but if it doesn't, then you've got a lot of big money on ECU, and that's what's driven the spread up. If I'm going to be the throw cold water on people, we'll look at these are the advanced stats from Parker stats of war. Um, and, and this is kind of where the cold water comes in to me a little bit in terms of USF's defense, as well as they played last week, they've not played well this season. East Carolina's offense seems to be all right. They're not great at anything, but they're not one of the worst in the country. Like we saw last week with temple um, decent rushing, Decent passing. Equirate is kind of drives that get inside the opponent's 40 or have an explosive touchdown. So kind of above average in terms of that. But what they're not good at is when they have those good drives, they're not good at scoring points and finishing those good drives, which is last week was one of our points and has been all season. Getting in the red zone and finishing drives. USF did a much better job of that last week. And we'll have to see that continue on both sides of the ball against ECU because it seems like these teams do a pretty good job of defensively not allowing long quality drives, not allowing you to get past the 40. So here defensively, they only allow 42% of drives to get to their 40. But when they do, they allow points. So it's really, can you move the ball and get down there? There have not been good finishing uh, drives. Um, on either side of the ball. So USF has a advantage there. But it, it, to me, it's going to come down to how does the defense play for USF? Is last week an aberration or is that a sign of progress? If it's a sign of progress and you're getting to see more of that, especially kind of looking here at third downs, third and fourth downs, defensively, USF's gotten a lot better. This used to be a much bigger number. ECU is very bad on third and fourth downs, as Nathan already mentioned. You know, if, if the defense can play well, get off the field, give the offense more opportunities, you know, there are, their metrics aren't bad, but you go back and look at their schedule. I don't think anybody scored, what is it? South Carolina scored 20, but they're one of the worst offenses in the country. App State, 33. Marshall, 38. Charleston Southern, 28. Tulane, 29, with four turnovers. UCF 20, Houston 31 in overtime. So they've given up points this year. Um, so maybe play to play, they're pretty good, but they've shown the ability to give up some points. So you'd imagine USF's going to score in the high 20s, maybe more. So it's kind of going to be, can the defense hold down ECU's offense? To me, that's kind of the big matchup. I think USF's offense will be able to move the ball a little bit, put some points up, but can the defense hold like they did last week? And uh, another thing kind of to 
remember about looking at these stats right here is, is, I mean, I know we're eight games into the season. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of this might be a little skewed. This is not a rolling. This is not a rolling average. This is everything. So all that tough games early are still in there, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and so you know when you look at like the North, the NC State game and the the Florida game and everything like that, where you kind of knew USF was going to you know struggle. That's where a lot of these numbers are coming from. And despite all of those struggles of playing, you know, top premier talent and programs you know, in the country, you know, USF at fair, I, I think pretty well, all things considered statistically. I know there's a lot of dark red on that left side, but percentage wise, I mean, these are marginal percentages in the grand scheme of things between, and I'm looking at the defensive success rate specifically, there was a, a pretty marginal difference between where USF was at with 45% and then them being out of that dark red. And that could be, one or two, you know, drives against Cincy State and Florida at this point. So, I, I think the the good thing about these stats is it gives you a really good depiction, especially eight weeks into the season, where you know, it, like you know what USF's identity is right now. It's it's running the ball. That's what we've been favoring for the you know the entire season. I, I think this week is going to be the the prove it week for being able to throw the football. Um, ECU is going to sell out on the run. I mean, if you you just set a school record in rushing yards, I mean, if I'm if I'm ECU's coach, you know, they blitz I think on like eighty percent of their plays. So you know, this might be a time where USF might be able to take advantage of this RPO offense that Charlie Weiss is kind of known for, and you know, hit some tunnel screens, hit some quick passes against this blitz because it's going to leave you know some holes open. And we don't have a lot of film on us being really successful throwing the ball between, you know, 15 yards. So I, I think that's one way, you know, to Nate's point, you could probably catch ECU on a short week. They may not be as ready for it. You know, they might look at 421 rushing yards and say, oh, shit, guys, we're going to have to load up the defensive line, load up linebackers because they're going to pound the rock. You know, this is where USF can say, like, let's, let's get aggressive. Let's run some trick plays. Let's run some quick screens and put our athletes in the space because I guarantee our athletes on offense are probably pretty better than the athletes on ECU's defense. Uh, it's a lot of guys that aren't probably used to Florida speed. So this is where, uh, again, to Nate's point, you could probably catch a team like ECU by surprise. They're probably thinking this is going to be a sleepwalk game based off of all the stats and the money and all that stuff. But you know, Short weeks are, are are funny things sometimes. And the interesting kind of matchup wrinkle here when you're looking at the advanced stats here is the success rate. Where is ECU worse on defense, it seems, in terms of success rate? So that's kind of success rate is do you allow or not allow the yards the offense needs to get a first down or um, to pick up three or more on first down, half the yardage you need on second down, and then convert third down. So if you did all those, you'd have 100% success rate. If you didn't allow any of it, you'd have a zero, right? So where is ECU a little weak on defense? They're 80th in the country in terms of rushing success rate allowed. USF, obviously, is is in terms of offensive success rate is 45th in the country in rushing. And that's even with all those kind of stinkers earlier in the year where you had trouble running the ball against really good defenses. 
So when you kind of look at that, that would be USF's, it would seem to be their advantage. So like Stieg said, is ECU going to have to come load the box now to stop the run because they haven't been very good at it? If so, now maybe you have some opportunities in the passing game off play action, RPO stuff, and maybe you can get some shots downfield in the passing game to take advantage of those loaded boxes. So that's going to be the matchup to watch on that side of the ball, I think. And then offensively, it seems like ECU's not very good running the ball, marginally better passing. So if you can shut down the quarterback, who some here don't think is very good, if you can shut him down, then you've got a good chance of success. He's he is he's not. I, Holt Naylor is a he can't string together multiple good performances. Just full no. disclosure, he's incapable of doing it. Um, he played actually pretty all right uh, for the last two weeks against UCF and Houston, both in losing efforts. So now is is he due or is this a, a trend? Um, that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna find out on Thursday. If, uh, you know, if he's due for a stinker, maybe this is it. I mean, the, he was supposed to be this like big bruising back that can run and, and can do things, can throw the ball, can run. He's averaging 0. 0.4 yards per carry this year, guys. So his numbers right now, he's 60% passing, 1,700 yards, 7.4 yards attempt, 10 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, which I thought was his big problem last year as he threw a ton of picks. Um, he didn't against USF. They're able to run the ball really well. Um, 250 yards a game on 34 attempts a game. And then, like Nate said, pass, run, running. They're running him quite a bit, it seems like, but he's only averaging 3.7 yards. They're running him nine times a game or almost 10 times a game. So he's a part of their offense for sure, but he's not been able to do much in terms of yard. He's having 3.7 yards a game. And that, and that's, oh man, that's, it's some of that would be, I'm sure there's some sack yards including there, but there is 67 rush attempts and 26 yards. Yeah. And he's not being featured in the, in the old run game there. Now the the dude that I am terrified of is, is Keaton Mitchell, their actual running back, uh, 88 carries, uh, 677 yards, four touchdowns. He's averaging 7.7 yards per carry. He's the only guy averaging over four yards per carry for this ECU team. He's the guy you need to stop. Uh, I think if you can stop him, you'll be all right because Holt Nailers is, again, trash. He is a trash can. Don't worry about him. He is an absolute trash can. Uh, I haven't felt this strongly about a quarterback being bad in a good little bit. Oh. A good uh, one thing to remember bit. about Keaton Mitchell is uh, – of that 677 yards that he has rushing, uh, 222 of it has came against Tulane, where he, I mean, had them stats, I mean, he, maybe. He's, yeah, he padded stats that game. So uh, you the, take that out, you know, you're looking a little bit, a uh, l- little bit less than 7.7 yards per carry. The Tulane game is the biggest outlier, and then when you go look at it, ECU had a plus four turnover margin in that game. I think Tulane threw three interceptions and had fumbled the ball. ECU, I don't think, turned the ball over. So when you're plus four in the turnover department, you're gonna kind of you're gonna blow people out. So um, it's uh, I think it's maybe more. Win- I, I I think it's probably gonna be closer than the ten points for sure. Um, but it's another winnable game. 
as uh, we've had the past few weeks. So it's always good. Yeah, this is such a winnable game. Uh, Tyler Sneed's been pretty good. He's the five-seven slot receiver. Uh, Thirty-five catches, four hundred seventy-six yards. He has two touchdowns. Um, they spread the ball around. Eight, excuse me, eight different guys have uh, at least ten catches, and every single person who's caught a ball has a touchdown, including Holton Aylers. Um, he and the thing you need to watch out for is uh, Tyler Sneed. He's two for four passing with two touchdowns. Um, so you got to be careful with some trickeration uh, because I think ECU knows they're going to have to pull out all the stops because they are actually a trash can and are not as nearly as good as their record would indicate. I think this is very much like Temple uh, in in that regard. Um, I'm pretty confident in this game, uh, which is probably not a great omen for the Bulls. (laughs) If we're being, if we're being perfectly frank here, but I just, I don't see, I don't think ECU is that good guys. I really don't. And uh, this is, this is such a winnable game. Like by four, like one of the, probably their third most winnable game on the schedule, uh, you know, outside of FAMU and, and, and Temple. Uh, it's the most winnable game of the f- what five remaining. Is that how I math right? Five left. I think it's this one and maybe two lane as well. Uh, both on the road, um, but maybe Temple or maybe Tulane gets it together by November. I I don't think they will. I think Willie Fritz's uh, proof of concept offense left when Will Hall went to Southern Miss. <laughs> I think that's going to be a bigger story in the off season. Uh, like that, I, <laughs> yeah, Alex. I, I am just I am quadrupling down on on this man and i i'm sorry but i just don't see it i really don't um and, and the watch party uh yeah, come to the watch party so, you, so you can yell at him if the yeah yeah you know if i if i'm dead wrong you guys can yell at me at the watch party but if i'm right you can heap praise upon him which and uh make sure i get an uber home yeah. <laughs> We'll have a dunk tank ready for him just in case. <laughs> you can pay ten bucks to throw the ball. Yeah, you come yell at me at Irish Thirty One Hyde Park, one six one one West Swan Avenue, Tampa, Florida three three six zero six Thursday night at seven thirty kickoff on ESPN. Uh, gonna be a fun night. I man, I I just I keep. I just keep coming back to like, they're just going to win. Like this is just one of those. It's just one of those things. I don't know. I, I, I haven't felt this confident in a, a good little bit. Well, maybe I haven't felt this confident. I haven't felt this confident in like eight days. Uh, if we're being real, uh, I knew USF was going to just absolutely blow out temple. And uh, I was right. And Seth, maybe, maybe this is the game. I'm just so dead wrong about USF. Maybe. You know, maybe it's the, maybe it's this game. I was I was God. I was dead right last week. I was uh, we've been pretty on the money outside of uh, Tulsa, but who would have? No one would have predicted that uh, that mean, ending. I gave my final score in the Tulsa game was thirty-one to thirty. So we weren't that far off. 
Um, so, hey, Nate. Um, yeah, but what's what's the update on uh, on Timmy McLean? Uh, Timmy McLean. This is uh, this is interesting. Jeff Scott says it's probably going to be a game time decision. Um, I wouldn't believe that uh, as far as I could throw him. Um, and I'm my shoulder's been acting up, so I, I don't want to throw anyone right now. You know, with my bad knee, you shouldn't be throwing anyone right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a Ferris Bueller reference for you, you, you people. <laughs> For you people who didn't understand that one, nothing completely over Steve's head. God, ever. <laughs> ever, Seth, heard man, ever heard of a man called Ed Rooney? Principal, very angry. I can't even think of anything funny. Turned out to do a lot of bad stuff in real life, but uh, we're not going to talk about that part of it. But oh yeah, oh man. But you could tell he had it out for Ferris the whole time. Yeah, yeah, dirtbag. It really was. That, uh, crane kicked in the face by Ferris Bueller's sister. Jennifer Grey. Yeah. A, a young Jennifer Grey. Dirty dancing fame. I mean. Does this great. sound interesting to you, Steve? Um, sorry, what were we going to talk about? I was on Twitter. Uh, see, have you seen the, the producers? Um, surprisingly, no. Uh, it's on my watch list, though. Like, to... Not to, because I've seen Ferris Bueller's okay. Day Off. I'm just fucking. Have you it, seen Have you seen the Lion King animated version? Yes. Do you know who Matthew Broderick is? Yes. Okay. Do you know who John Hughes is? No. Oh. That's that's where you'll lose. Me, oh dude. my! I'm gonna be we not to derail this. Podcast, oh, we're no, we're we're derailing okay. it right now. We're so, we're close to wrapping up. We're gonna we're gonna have this conversation right now. See, Steve. My so my brain is filled with a lot of information. Right is now, it though? Filled with a lot of survivor information. Cats. Um, it's there are cats uh, and Broadway is just in general. My biggest weakness as a as a as a human being and and it, all of my friends can attest this. I don't know actors like at all. Like if you were to like if we were to play like Guess Who with like a bunch of famous actors, like ones that you could just recognize off their face, I'd be terrible at it. Um, every time I see like a story about a celebrity on Twitter or something like that. I have to physically like see the name. I have to go to Google. I have to find something that they've been in that I've watched and like watch a scene and be like, Oh, now I know who that is. Like, and you know, not to talk about that topic too much, but that Alec Baldwin story I had, like, it took me like five minutes to, to track down a picture of Alec Baldwin and what I recognized him. in. <laughs> <laughs> ladies, ladies and gentlemen, uh, do you know who Tom Selleck is? Yes, I know. Don't sell again. Are you sure? I was going to rip the mustache yeah. off your face if you didn't know that. There's like five celebrities off the top of my head that I can absolutely just pinpoint no matter what. They all have uh, mustaches. Most of them have mustaches. Yeah, <laughs> but other than that, like, like if if there's an actress with the name Jennifer, good luck. I couldn't tell you any of them. Like, uh, do you know what? Do you know which Jennifer was in Friends? No. Oh. Nope. Couldn't even. Couldn't even do it. Who's dating Ben Affleck right now? Couldn't even tell you. Could not even tell you. This is Wiz. Haven't seen which Jennifer. Which Jennifer is from the block? <laughs> oh my gosh, Seth, what are we doing here, man? I don't know. I, you, you know, know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things I'm good at. Not really. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, actors, actresses, yeah, movie trivia, not me. Couldn't do it. Wow. The thoughts and uh, ridiculous uh, opinions of Robert Steed do not reflect the opinions and thoughts of the Daily Stampede as a whole. Uh, we're very sorry for this unfortunate uh, information. I thought the ranch uh, obsession was the worst part about Robert Steed. Uh, we have come to find out that it is this. Um, do you know who George Clooney is? Yes, because he makes tequila too. Oh, God. Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. Katie, all right. Men in, men in Black. Yes. Uh, Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans. Can you name? Can you tell me which ones are which? Chris Pratt, Guardians one. of the Galaxy. Yes. Uh, Chris Evans, Captain America. Yes. Um, say the last one again because I'm blanking right now. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, Thor. Okay. So we're not that far off. We're not. We're Do you not know who off. Harrison Ford is? Uh, why did it have to be snakes? Right. That's that's what he says. Uh, I I know I know Harrison. Impression Ford. wasn't very good. I won't hold that against you though. Uh, I just. Uh, so he, I, I, I get interactions it. we've had on anything ever. <laughs> the chat has because been. it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's honest. The guy. Is is Paige there? She's in the shower. <sighs> how does she put up with you? And this, like besides this, like how does she do it? She moved in with me. That's that's the bigger. I mean, <laughs> Maybe, we, need it, we really need to have her and have really have a sit down with her about her her decision making in life. Oh, Colin interrogated the ever shit out of her <laughs> when he finally returned from Las Vegas, and uh, and uh, he, he, she passed the the Colin Sherwood test of you know restaurants in the Hyde Park area to to go to for brunch. So. Yeah, I, I think I think she's past that side of things, but yeah, we should probably get her checked in the head. Yeah. Tom, I thought he was about to do the Samuel L. Jackson bit from Snakes on a Plane, and I was like, dude, you're so off. <laughs> you were so wrong. <laughs> no, yeah, he, uh, totally, he, he totally it's, did the Connery. I know who Sean Connery is. He was, he was fun. Yeah. How does he sound? <laughs> he sounds like an Irish <laughs> he sounds like an Irish guy with a that uh, that has a giant packed dip lip in his mouth. Well, it, they're called Scottish. They oh, have a name. Oh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> we could do an entire podcast. We, I mean, I think this may be it. I just, I think this may be my final podcast with you on it. I don't know. So one, one I more mean, time, what does Harrison Ford sound like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even want to do it again. I just, I remember the only thing I remember is that is it from, and I'm going to probably butch this. It's from Layers of Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Where he's like, okay. why did it have to be snakes? Yeah. It's like that's not terrible, but it's kind of terrible. Uh, but yes, and the name of the movie was correct. What is the name of the character? You know that? The, the character in the, the main uh, character? Yeah, Jones. Yeah. Do you know it's, that just because of the show? At the, yeah. Yeah, it's because it's the thing at Disney. That's the only reason. So, like when they do the montage, uh, like when they had the great movie ride, did you know like each like scene that they were going through? Um, I'm going to be honest. The ones that I knew were the Broadway ones that they had at the beginning. Singing um, in the rain, you know. That. Yeah, and then who's uh, who's the, the actor singing in the rain? Gene Kelly. And who's the girl? 
Couldn't tell you exactly. <laughs> Debbie Reynolds. And who's Debbie Reynolds' daughter? Uh, I'm going to guess Ryan Reynolds since there's... Oh, no. Daughter. Oh, no. Daughter. <laughs> daughter. Oh. Um... Carrie Fisher. Do you know who Carrie Fisher is? Uh, Princess Leia. There we go. All right. So we're we're working our how way she back. Connected, how she connected to Harrison Ford. Uh <laughs> Can I add the uh, Harrison Ford uh, wanted to, or what am I saying? I'm trying to connect it to the. Were they in a movie together? Yeah, they were in Star Wars together. I was trying to connect it to Harrison Ford wanting to have sex with Carrie Fisher and then that whole thing. I watched all the Star Wars movies during quarantine. So I do a Harrison Ford impression again. uh, (laughs) Do you want, do you want him dying uh, during uh, Whoa, spoiler. The, uh, oh, sorry. Has been. Well, yes, let's yet. see it. <laughs> oh, not actually going to do, but that was one of my. <laughs> Reach your hand out to touch the screen. Yeah, just. <laughs> okay, so then, good, then at the end of the great movie ride, when they like do all the like the famous scenes like from various movies, do you know I like most of them? Maybe 25% of them. Okay. Um, did you recognize like the the Casablanca scene? Yeah. Okay. So the only good thing is uh, growing up, um, I watched a lot of movies with my dad, and they were old movies. But I never like cared to learn who any of the characters were because I was between the ages of like nine, like fifteen. So I've seen a bunch of old movies. I just can't tell you anyone who's in it. Uh, but that's about it. Who's the voice of Shrek? Mike Myers. Who's Donkey? Oh God, <laughs> I know who it is, but I can't. <laughs> I, I, I need, I need donkey. like multiple choice. What does I donkey need... sound like? <laughs> 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 nope. <laughs> I'm also reading the chat right now, and I'm just getting absolutely just roasted to shit. <laughs> what What is your oh, favorite? What's your favorite movie that's older than you? Uh, Mary Poppins. Okay. All right, who's in the, Depends on. All right, who's in Mary Poppins? Julie Andrews, Dick Van Dyke. Um, that's all you really need to know. <laughs> okay. Animated Penguin. Yeah, the animated penguins. All right. Well, I, I mean, we'll have to do a separate, a whole separate podcast on just quizzing Steagle movies. If you have movie questions, <laughs> don't yeah. ask him. Ask Steag <laughs> at the watch party. I just. <laughs> Come to I just, I just don't answer all your movie questions and do good impressions of all your favorite characters. It'll, it'll be great. I, I don't know. I guess we go to the predictions now. I mean, I don't know. I'm just so disappointed right now. See, this just, is so much more uh, damaging to your reputation than, than picking USF to win 55 to 10 every week. It really is. <laughs> Oh man, this this really doesn't do any favor to the fact that like I've been making movie references for the past two weeks, and I was actually taking USF, uh, you know, the the score seriously as of as of last week. So I'm really damaging my reputation. I have seen the Goonies. I can do the imp- impression of the uh, the guy. Trouble uh, Shuffle? Uh, no, not the Trouble Shuffle. Wow. Thing, uh, Thank you guys. I mean, I'd rather see the Truffle Shuffle. But yeah, yeah. I'm not going to take my shirt off. We'll get banned. But coward. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe at the watch party, he'll do the truffle shuffle. I'll for do you. the truffle yeah. shuffle. If you donate enough. Oh man, I have seen Back to the Future okay. uh, because it was a variety Universal. 
Hmm. I've seen this right. Yeah. Oh man, I do you know who's in the Ghostbusters? Christian Wig, Melissa McCarthy, <laughs> Leslie Jones, right? Or Odom Jones. Yeah. I was uh I was gonna say something stupid. I don't want to say anymore. Damn. Say, uh, Ever seen Damn. Caddyshack? Uh, my dad loves Caddyshack. Dude, that's um, a great man. And we got him a signed hat. Um, From <laughs> the gopher. <laughs> no, the fucking. Oh my god! Why am I? I this is this is the worst. I I I don't do good in these types of situations. Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Bill Ted Murray. Knight, Rodney Dangerfield. It's Bill Murray. We got to go my, uh, my sister got Bill Murray to sign uh, okay. sign that hat from uh, Caddyshack, and uh, we got it for my dad for for his birthday. Well, we need to get that's the, the only movie. Uh, you know, actually, so you guys know those uh, uh, this is those Billy on the Street uh, things were yeah, like, like yeah, 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 yeah. That is my biggest fear of all. <laughs> Like it, I, I it should like, after tonight it should be. It like I I have always joked that like I've never like the only celebrities that I've ever seen in public, I saw Aaron Judge in, like at a restaurant in, in Davis Island. And that is literally it because he's the only person that I could be able to recognize. And the only reason why I recognize him was because he stood up after he was done eating and he's like six foot eight Puerto Rican. It's like, all right, yeah, it's Aaron Judge. I know who that is. I'm so bad at recognizing like celebrities and actors and everything like that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. Paige, how bad am I with, with like movie actors? She said, very, I agree. Uh, oh, all right. Let's, let's get this over with. Oh my God. Seth. I, or I speak. I Alex, can't. I need you to make that meme, by the way, that Daniel was talking about. I think he's on it. Yeah. So how much do we do we think uh, Timmy's injury real quick, since we were talking about that before he gave us some really terrible, just terrible <laughs> impressions and movie takes? Um, I, I worry slightly uh, with this injury. Uh, I think you guys clearly saw uh, in, in the, the second half, USF's first drive, they threw the ball a little bit with Travis Marsh, and then it, it, it stalled out the offense a little bit, and then they're like, all right, screw it. We're just going to just hand the ball off the, the entire time. And he got a couple pop passes. I think we're going to see more of that. But he's got to be able to hit the, the deep shots to if his Xavier Weaver's uh, back healthy again. Uh, you know, hamstrings are tricky. But if he's healthy again, uh, Mario Dollison, whoever steps up, Demarcus Gregory, whoever steps up in that that Weaver role, who's going to hit, who's going to be downfield 20, 25 yards, Jimmy Horn, you've got to be able to hit one or two just to keep the ECU offense or defense uh, honest. As Steve pointed out, they blitz about 80% of the time. And you've got to make them pay. And those hot routes, Jimmy Horn, Sean Atkins, uh, Bryce Miller, I think he'll be back. I think we'll see a little bit more of him. He started getting a little bit of run last week. Uh, if you can get those those quick slants, the, the tunnel screens, as you mentioned, Steve, behind those blitzers, we're, I think it, we're going to see a crisper offense uh, through the passing game. Um, but, uh, yeah, this I understand the four-point swing. Uh, from six to ten, but I I I really think Vegas is uh, underestimating how bad the CCU team is. 
Yeah, if if they do blitz that much, then you're definitely setting yourself up for the you know giving up the big play, which USF's got some guys that can they can go like Jimmy Horn. Just watching him run, he runs different than almost everybody on the field. It's quite uh, it's awesome just to kind of watch him go. He's so smooth. Um, nobody's going to be able to really guard him and run with him if he gets a full head of steam. So, you know, if, if that's the way they want to play it, I think, you know, what's what's been kind of interesting the last couple of weeks and something we've noted and talked about amongst ourselves is there's been a couple of times it looks like Timmy's a little gun shy where on the RPO he's pulling the ball, but he's not throwing it because the window maybe is a little tighter than, than he'd like or – um, he's waiting. He's not kind of trusting his eyes. He's, it looks like his eyes are taking him to the right place, but he's kind of holding and not pulling the trigger super fast. So it'll be interesting to see if he does not play or if he's limited and Marsh or Fortin or whoever, you know, whoever's the second string quarterback, Marsh last week, I don't know, rotating thing um, to see how those guys come in and throw the ball. Because I think there's been some opportunities in the passing game um, we've seen how close USF's been on some of these deep shots and and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see if one of these guys can come in and maybe throw the ball around a little bit, and you might get some really good um, opportunities with uh, heavy boxes and you know man to man coverage. So I don't think it's a death sentence if Timmy doesn't play. Uh, I, obviously, I think it hurts you because he's your starter and he does a lot of things that you can't even teach. But uh, I think they got some talented guys behind him, which is. Definitely different than it's been in the past few seasons where the depth was not there. And if a guy got hurt, then you really had to put the second guy in bubble wrap, basically, because if he got hurt, there was nobody left. So I think you're in a much better situation there. So if if he doesn't play, I don't think this is a total game killer for USF. But obviously, you'd like to see him play if he's full strength. Agreed. Now that we've we've settled that. Uh, and we're, I think we're comfortably removed from, from Robert Stieg. Uh, Seth, let's get a prediction time uh, ahead of Thursday night's game uh, as USF faces ECU on the road in Greenville, North Carolina, uh, while the USF watch party at Irish 31 Hyde Park at uh, 1611 West Swan Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33606 takes place. Uh, the Daily Stampede watch party. Make sure you're there. Uh, Seth. Predictions for Thursday night. All right. So 100% honesty, I was going to pick East Carolina, just doing a quick overlook of some stats and things like that and looking at the advanced stats preview. But I've been swayed by by Nathan Bond, much like I told him that picking against USF in the Tulsa game was just a jerk thing to do. You know, <laughs> it's really a jerk thing to do to pick against USF the week of the watch party. I can't put those kind of negative vibes out there. That's just not what I'm about. So I'm going to go USF. Let's go 34 to 31. USF pulls off the victory on the road. Okay. I like it. Uh, USF for me. Uh, actually, you know what, Stieg? Are you doing a normal one or a, a, a weird one? I, I got to ask. Um, I mean, the way I'll lead into it is weird, but. All right. I'll so, you, yeah, I'll say I'll still save you for less and that's fine. Okay. Um, I'm very confident in this game, uh, which is, again, to our detriment um, for sure. 
Uh, USF is going to win 31 to 10. That would be great. I think you're going to see the ball control offense that you saw versus Temple. Uh, I think you're going. I think that you know that what what travels on the road isn't the run game or something like that. Isn't that what allegedly travels there, Seth? Defense Defense and run run game game travel. So uh, I think USF's uh, offense is going to be able to stay on the field, sustain some drives. Uh, I don't think uh, Jeff Scott's going to stop being aggressive on fourth down. I think we're going to see some of that still. Uh, I I think he's going to if he wants to toss, he's definitely going to. If he did it at home twice in a row, I think best to do it again. Get that ball. Go down, score two weeks in a row. He's done that. They've been in position to score points. You know, it didn't happen last week, uh, you know, due to a uh, bad snap, but they went down and drove the field and they did against uh, Tulsa. Uh, they can do it again against the CCU defense and they're going to just control the clock, control the game. They're going to breeze out of Greenville, North Carolina with an easy 31 to 10 win. Robert Stieg, redeem yourself. Um, so full disclosure, whenever I come up with these like stupid leeway things, um, I come up with them during the day prior to uh, us having these discussions. Normally I'm listening to my movie musical uh, soundtracks during work. Uh, that's where most of these come from. Um, you guys have seen uh, Phantom of the Opera, right? Yeah. With Gerard uh, Butler? Yeah, Gerard yeah. Butler. Um, yes. Andrew, we are cultured. Andrew Lloyd right. Webber joint. Yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um I'll go. I'll go on a separate rant about him. Uh, you know, later in life. But yeah, fantastic Broadway, one of the most successful of all time. We can kind of liken uh, Phantom of the Opera to the to the Temple game last week. I mean, it, it's perfect. It's exactly what you want. It's it's the performance that that we all wanted on Broadway. Did you guys know that there's a sequel to Phantom of the Opera? Phantom of the Multiplex. Um, that's a, that's a good Disney movie, man. I'm not gonna lie. I, I watched is, that a few months culture. ago. This is culture, Steve. Yeah, that's that's you know. I saw I saw when I was scrolling through Disney Plus earlier. Thought about it, uh, but no. There there is a uh, there is a sequel to to the hit uh, opera Broadway uh, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, it's called Love Never Dies, and uh, it's it's so the Phantom and Christine. You know, they go their separate ways. Phantom's dead, dead, uh, and you know everything happens. So turns out they have an illegitimate child together. Um, Christine moves to New York. Uh, her and uh, her and Roel will have their have their love and their marriage and everything like that. And then the minor side character, um, Phantom Opera, the one that lifts the mask at the end, and you know it's very dramatic and everything like that. Um, she ends up killing uh, Christine after trying to kill the Ill- illegitimate child out of jealousy because she wanted to be the lead Broadway actress in the Phantoms uh, movie. Um, it's a terrible Broadway. It's terrible. Andrew Lloyd Webber did a terrible job with it. Um, overall, terrible experience. That is not what USF is going to do. USF is not going to put a stinker out there on the Broadway. Uh, they're going to come out. We're going for a, a 34-7 victory for our USF Bulls. I think Katravis Marsh is going to be the guy here. I think he's going to hit. Uh, I think he's going to hit a bomb this game. I think we're going to see like a. Like a, uh, I'm gonna go with like a 75 yard touchdown pass. It's gonna travel about 175 yards in the air. It's gonna bounce off the video board and come back down into Demarcus Gregory's waiting arms. Um, 
yeah, I think, uh, I think we'll get our first big explosive touchdown of the year finally. And uh, we'll all be happy and joyful at a uh, good old Irish 31. I think that play would be out of bounds. I don't think that play would count there, Steak. No, it'll count. It'll count. Mm. Did you just describe a bad musical to tell us that it will be nothing like that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, just so everyone following along at home uh, can keep charting that. Um, <clears throat> so Steak has a 75-yard bomb. Uh, Seth, I was adamant that Jeremy Mangan was going to get his touchdown longer than 10 yards. And uh, the amount of times he got tripped up uh, on the way there uh, was infuriating. This is the week. I'm just, I'm doubling down. This is the week he's going to get a touchdown longer than 10 yards. Uh, this is the week the offense will get a touchdown longer than 10 yards. Uh, Cause I, I don't think that's happened yet still. Right. Not, not to my recollection. Not, not to, not to my knowledge, right? No. The, when, when Steve was saying earlier that Jared Mangum's, or, or I think you were saying Nate, he's six away from the record. I was thinking in my head, he's six yards from the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, uh, that that's what's going to happen. Uh, oh man, we we have so far gone off the rails tonight. I love it. Um, Do we have the meme to show? There's been a meme. There's uh, been yeah, a meme posted on Twitter. Here, I'll uh, yeah. I'll send it to you. For some reason, Daniel sent one that I is not in my DMs, so I don't know where it went. If Daniel, if you're still here, please help. <laughs> Alex as well. <laughs> There you go. There it is. Yep. That's uh God. This is gonna be the main talking point for the rest of the year. I just know it. I, I have God. Hey, so all right, so Stieg. Yeah. If USF wins, right? You last week you're supposed to do ranch soda, right? Or no, ranch so or something, right? The the beer mile. Um, oh, that's right, the beer mile. I realized, yeah, I realized we were on short notice and I couldn't get it in this week. Um, it'll it'll probably be a postseason kind of thing when I can uh, hop over to Jefferson. If they, if they win this week, yeah, we've got to hear more of your impressions next week. Possibly, yeah. you possibly might have to make your pick in uh, impression voice. Yeah, we'll 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 fan vote it. Maybe yeah, put um, it to a vote. What impression the fans want to hear. Yeah, and uh, and I'll 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 do my research, and uh, we'll we'll see what impressions I can do. Because boy, can I not do? I can do uh I can do a Kermit the Frog impression, and an Elmo impression, and that's about it. <laughs> Just giggling. I mean, like, your your Harrison Connery was right on. Yeah, right on Connery. earlier. So. <laughs> oh yay, yike! All right, guys, let's let's wrap this up with uh. One final thing uh, that we haven't talked about tonight. Um, the Daily Stampede Watch Party, Thursday night. Uh, football game. 
I couldn't keep a straight face. Um, 1611 West Swan Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33606, down there in Hyde Park. Come out with the Daily Stampede crew and a bunch of USF fans. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, there's some great food, great specials. There's going to be some ticket giveaways, maybe a special guest or two. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've always had fun at these uh, watch parties. Uh, it's just it's just a fun time to interact. Uh, you know, everybody, you know, loved the, the halftime thing where, you know, a bunch of fans just kind of congregated and hung out for a little bit. Now think about that for four hours. I know you got to hang out with some of these people for four hours. I, I completely understand that. Uh, but maybe you'll imbibe in uh, some, some drinks and then, you know, drive home safely or, you know, get an Uber. Please get an Uber. If you drink too much, don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. Uh, that's that's the the way that's the plan uh but come out uh support us uh all the proceeds from the raffle will go to help sending us to uh to away games maybe uh maybe some basketball away games uh for men and women's basketball just some fun fun stuff uh it'll be exciting but be sure to come to the iris 31 uh down there in hyde park on thursday as the bulls take on ecu uh and with that the bulls will win it's going to be a fun night Signing off once again. Thank you for listening to the derailed version of the Illuminati podcast presented by Irish 31. Peace out. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Alex, happy birthday to your mom. Yep. Uh, Go Bulls. I was going to do an impression there. It's not going to happen. Do the Kermit on the way out. Say Go Bulls like Kermit. Oh, God. I'll close my eyes. I I can't even think of how you would say that. No, there's. I don't. No, dude, no, you're so bad at this. Is Kermit no. here? I'm out. No. I'm out. <laughs>